0: Welcome to Cars Yeah! Show number 613. This week on Cars Yeah! we're celebrating the inaugural Atlanta Concord d'Elegance. This spectacular event takes place on October 8th and 9th at the Chateau Elan Winery and resort that's just north of Atlanta, Georgia. You can learn more about this event at atlantaconcord.org. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable, Lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in UltraBite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost jumpstarter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, John Leverett. Hey, John, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. All right. Great to have you here. John Leverett is the director of product planning and engineering at Panos Road Cars and Panos Race Cars for their contract engineering projects. This includes the GTRA, GTWC, and GTS race cars. He supervises the team of fabricators and mechanics responsible for prototyping and production implementation of new and existing products. At Panos they provide a wide range of design, engineering, manufacturing, and transportation technologies solutions committed to delivering fuel efficient emission reducing technologies that benefit not only racing, but everyday drivers and commuters. In twenty thirteen, John led design and development of the twenty fifth anniversary edition Esperante Spider and the Spider GT. And his current project is the fastback version of the Esperante called the Advizzano. Now I said that right?
1: That's correct. Yeah, the, the two Zs come off as a D. So. There we go. My <laughs>
0: Italian's working this morning. And this car debuted at Petit Le Mans last weekend. Don Panos, the chairman of the company, is also a past guest here on Cars Yeah. Panos is a proud sponsor of the inaugural Atlanta Concours d'Elegance coming up this weekend at the Chateau Elan Winery, which is going to be a fantastic event. So, John, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment share a little bit more about your career there at Panos, which I understand has been quite long and fun, and your passion for automobiles?
1: Yeah, well, the biggest thing is uh, i have uh, coming up on 23 years here now, so I'm technically wow. the longest-serving uh, non-family member in the Panos automotive empire. So. Oh,
0: my gosh, and I understand your father works there as well.
1: He does. He joined us when he retired out of the uh, photographic industry uh, with uh, Nikon cameras uh, geez, more than a decade ago now and has been in charge of sales and marketing for quite some time.
0: Very cool. That's nice you get that you get to work with your dad. Well, tell us a little bit about your, your history going back in time and some of the time you spent there at Panos before we get into some of these questions.
1: Well, originally, I started off uh, doing the uh, the stainless roaster, just fixing some certain elements on it, things like working defrost system, uh, working windshield wipers on the early cars. They had a problem stripping out, so just little projects, but uh, within 11 months, I was designing the AIV chassis from the ground up, so it wow. was a very short, uh, accelerated program.
0: Now, did you always know that you wanted to be in engineering and work in cars or uh, let's go back in time, maybe a little bit further, too, because I, I believe you got an engineering degree. Is that right?
1: Correct, correct. Uh, Although, ironically, uh, since my father was in the uh, camera business, uh, I wanted to be a photographer when I was in high school. And a unique opportunity presented itself. Uh, One of the uh, things that Nikon did is they loaned the really big camera lenses to the uh, professional photographers during sporting events. Oh, okay. So, uh, my father had a friend, Fred, who was responsible for leasing those or renting those to the tech to the uh, photographers okay and we had the opportunity to go to the M C G T race at road atlanta i think in 1984 oh yeah and i got to be on the other side of the fence shooting pictures of the cars yeah and it was really cool but in the middle of doing all of that it was like you know it'd be even neater ah, to actually be in the cars <laughs> yeah so i actually decided i wanted to be a race car driver Oh nice. At the time the only thing that seemed to make sense I mean I knew I still had to go to school so what was I going to major in and engineering seemed like a logical choice. Uh-huh. It wasn't until years later that I realized no marketing that's <laughs> what really matters if you want to be a race car driver. So you got to be able to sell yourself.
0: Well, and you got to be able to figure out how to raise some money to bring to the team because uh, the yeah. racing these days is so horribly expensive. That's a really uh, interesting transition from photographer on the fence to uh, engineering school and then realizing, oh, wait a minute. I think I need to do something else to get in the seat. But you did some driving and racing, didn't you?
1: Uh, yeah, just amateur SCCA type stuff mm-hmm. uh, from Formula Vs, Datsun 510s, showroom stock, Dodge Neons, things like that. So Yeah,
0: cool, fun. So you've been on the track. you got a little bit of understanding there, too. I'd love for you to share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars. You told us that story about going to the race with your dad and shooting pictures of cars and realizing this was your passion, but is there a pivotal moment in your life when you really realized that you were a car guy? Uh,
1: Honestly, it really I I suppose it probably came about in school with the uh, Formula SAE program. I ended up starting the Formula SAE program at uh, Southern Tech, the school that I uh, graduated from, and uh, at that point... Um, <laughs> I'd been I'd been restoring cars, playing with cars. Uh, I'd kind of given up on the racing for a bit to focus on my schoolwork, but I realized I needed to. Uh, to basically, if I was going to get through school, I needed to go racing again. I just mentally needed that. But in the, at the time, uh, I, I sold a Porsche that I had restored and got a Datsun 510 and started running around in that. Yeah. And then doing the Formula SA thing at school. It's just, it all started to come, it just all started to come together. Sure. And like everything in life, it's uh, all about being in the right place at the right time. I'd graduated from school, uh, right after Nissan had shut down the MPTI program. So there were no motorsports jobs available. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I ended up driving legends race cars for atlanta motor speedway oh cool uh, they want to hump tracks and the whole legends thing had just kicked off so it got dumped on them and uh, i'd end up doing that on weekends and just babysitting the track on weekends during buck baker schools and bmw driving schools and things where the other people didn't want to work on the weekends. so that was my job
0: yeah you got to hang out at the track so yeah truly yeah. a great passion very cool i love it Well, John, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. You've had a profession in designing and building cars, racing, and oh my gosh, this is fraught with ups and downs. So I'd love for you to share with us a big challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way in your career. But of course, the most important part of this is how you overcame that situation and what it taught you so you could move forward.
1: Biggest thing, honestly, is still balancing uh, work and family for me. I've got a special needs child. My son, AJ, was born with Down syndrome. He's 11 years old now, so uh, uh, he's a very high-functioning Down syndrome child, and uh-huh. uh, he just he's an amazing kid.
0: I see the big smile on your face when you say his name.
1: Trying to balance all of that stuff out because you end up finding yourself now in a situation where I've been a baseball coach, a basketball coach, <laughs> and
0: a whole bunch of stuff
1: that I never in a million years saw myself doing, uh-huh. but squeezing all of that in with uh, a job that has huge demands on your time as well so that's the biggest challenge
0: yeah uh, that can be a big challenge for parents in so many capacities and especially if you're involved in racing i know the petite Mans that happened last weekend i mean the weeks leading up to that we were trying to connect and do a show and uh you know you were just working 24 seven days a week so uh yeah that's got to be a big challenge what kind of advice could you give uh young parents who are trying to figure out how to juggle this and even older parents uh between career and family any, any any little tricks and things you've learned on how to deal with that kind of situation?
1: It's it's all about priorities and you you but you've you've got to be flexible with your work time and with your home time. Stuff comes up and at the end of the day, family is what really matters. So. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I would imagine too, uh, having an understanding spouse and supporting. Spouse is a big part of that picture as well. A- a-
1: absolutely. Yeah. My wife, Megan, does a lot of work with AJ and always running him to the therapy and everything else, making sure he's also got the best foot forward for the rest of his life. So
0: there you go. Perfect. I love it. Well, let's shift gears here, uh, downshift a little bit and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a, a career aha moment. It's a time when those big high beam headlights come on and kind of illuminate your way for a new path, a new direction, a new journey. And tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Let's see um I guess
1: the the funny thing is is um at Panos, when I started in the beginning there, and we started designing the uh, the AIV chassis, it's one of those things. I guess when you're young, um, you don't know what you can't do. <laughs> yes, it gets a lot easier when you're older to rationalize why you shouldn't do something, why you can't do something, or that's going to be too difficult. But certainly in the in those those earlier days, it becomes a lot more optimism, and you're 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 always oh absolutely no problem, I can do that.
0: Is there a situation when you were in your early days there where that particular thing happened and then you realized down the road, "Uh uh-oh, I need some support or help of some kind? Is there a specific thing that maybe occurred that you kind of went, ah, you know, I need some resources here or there, or we need someone else to come in on the team to help us with this?
1: I suppose the biggest thing when it came time to actually add people and realize that it was more than a – one-person job from an engineering standpoint. Mm -hmm. I actually took advantage of the Formula SA team that I'd founded back in school, and a lot of our interns and engineers over the years have ended up coming out of that program. That basically gives us an opportunity where I can go back to the professor and know, ask questions, find out if the person is really a good hands-on engineer, Mm -hmm. uh, handles pressure can work with all the stuff. The whole Formula SA project is a microcosm of our business anyway, so it's actually been a tremendous resource, and we've taken a lot of advantage of that over the years.
0: Well, I would assume over the many years you've been there, Panos, you've had many proud moments, but is there one in particular that stands out for you that you'd like to share with us?
1: Ironically, the biggest one is uh, the last uh, the last week. We've ended up debuting the new Advanzano Fastback version of the Esperante, and uh, it came out really good. Uh, we're just really excited about it. We've had a lot of people that uh, just the reaction to the car has been overwhelmingly positive. And uh, that's the first car that I got to – well, I shouldn't say it's the first car, but uh I, I played more of a designer role as opposed to <laughs> still the engineer, not really a designer by trade, but by default we don't have an in-house designer, so it was okay. – provided all the direction for the actual design work on that car. And I guess that's the most amount of changes that we've ever done to a car. Oh wow! So it really, uh, it it was, it's interesting to see that come to life and to see the reaction that the car has gotten.
0: Was there any surprise that uh, you faced along the way of being able to be more involved with the design that you, you know, you talked earlier about uh, realizing you might need help, but then maybe realizing, oh, I can do that too. That's that's kind of a cool aspect of this job because usually engineering and design are completely separate and those, those designers are being told by the engineers, no, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the designers are telling the engineers, but I want to.
1: Well, and uh, as engineers, we kind of look at designers as pains in the, uh, <laughs> in the rear, so yeah. <laughs> so it's a little interesting to, to be in that particular scenario. But having also doing the engineering at the same time, I mean, the only conflict was with myself, so yeah. it, it actually worked out reasonably well. We've got such a great team that um, – Really appreciates all the manufacturability aspects and everything that we 've got to do. Uh, we all trust our judgment pretty well. We uh, come from very diverse backgrounds in automotive we 're all different different enthusiasts uh, sure. but all automotive enthusiasts just different paths so it works
0: out real it works out real well that 's very cool you know your your uh, comment there reminds me of my wife is uh or was a civil engineer mechanical engineer my father an architect and they always are bantering back and forth and <laughs> one of the lines my wife always uses that kind of shuts my dad down is oh you architects you guys are the ones with the rubber rulers <laughs> 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 because they're always designing the stuff that the engineers go we can't do that <laughs> you know, yeah So absolutely well let's go back in time again and talk a little bit about your first really special car maybe you could share a memory you have with that vehicle
1: Well, my very first car was a 1971 Opel GT.
0: Ooh, I love Opals. <laughs> They're so cool.
1: Awesome cars. Yeah. And I, of course, uh, I've got a bad habit of not getting rid of stuff, so I still have that car. I was actually driving it yesterday.
0: No way, really? Yeah. Oh, very cool. Well, what is it about the Opal you like? Because I had a friend in college who had one, and we used to commute to college together. It was quite a drive. I always remember he would always say, do you want to drive today? And he would just sit over there and eat his breakfast. And I'd say, yeah, I want to drive your car today. And <laughs> I remember the cool headlights. They, instead of popping up, they flipped over, which is yes. you know something very different. I. I This is very unique. I don't know why that stood out in my mind, but what was it about that Opal that you liked so much?
1: You know, I I love the style. I I love the feel. The... uh big thing is I got so many memories with it because I drove it all through high school. I remember the heater not working, my sister sitting next to me in a in a blanket as we drove to school in the high school in the morning. <laughs> but I drove it through high school. I drove it all through college. I drove it through my first couple years at Panos. Uh, biggest thing is I'm 6'2", so it's everybody looks at that car as being so small, and then you'd watch me get out of it when I'd go visit a vendor, and they say it was like a, like a clown car as my 6'2 <laughs> frame emerged from it. Yeah. But in that car, I don't even have the seat all the way back. So it's kind of a unique bit of packaging as well, right. but just like lots of memories.
0: Oh, absolutely. What colors your opal? silver. Silver, okay. Yeah, yeah, my buddy Paul's, his was white, so I'm also wonder whatever happened to that car, but uh, it's out there somewhere. You're, kind of, you're starting to see these Japanese cars come back a little bit, because I know at the Atlanta Concord they're going to have a, a division of Japanese cars, which is kind of a unique thing.
1: Well, I've got a good tie-in with Japanese cars, with my Datsun 510s, and then I've got an RX-7 twin-turbo as well. Of course, oh my being gosh. an RX-7 twin-turbo, it means it uh, needs a new motor.
0: So, <laughs> oh, but, gosh, yeah. Well, I understand that one as well. Well, how about Sellers Remorse? If you don't let things go maybe you don't have any sellers remorse but is there a car that you've owned that you let go that you wish you had back in your garage
1: I've only I think gotten rid of two cars in my life and that was that Porsche 917 uh, 914 uh 2 liter
0: I was gonna say wait you had a 917 <laughs>
1: 917 yeah that would be a regret uh <laughs> and uh, my showroom stock uh Dodge uh, ACR race car but uh, the only car that I can think of that fits that bill is my father had a 1964 Morgan 4.4 with a competition engine and transmission. Oh, wow. That's the car I learned to drive on. That's a car that I definitely have missed from the minute it was gone and would love to have had back.
0: Oh, fun. Oh, that's really cool. Well, like I said, I got to talk to your dad a little bit before uh, we got together. What a great guy. So, But he didn't tell me he had a Morgan, so uh good yeah. memories there. I like that. Well, let's talk a little bit about today and tomorrow. I'd love for you to share what's got you really excited and fired up there at uh, Panos. Talk a little bit about the race last weekend, the car you guys are working on, and also a little bit about your guys' involvement with this uh, inaugural Atlanta Concorde, d'Elegance. Elegance. I had Bill Wallet and Harry Cricks on the show, the founders of the event, and they said, oh, you've got to talk to uh, John at Panos because they're involved in this. They're helping us. I know when you go to their website page, the Delta Wing is right there on the landing page, along with an old, old car. So, what 's going on now? There are panels that you can share with us at least that uh, really has you excited?
1: Well, um, with Petit, the biggest thing was showing the Avanzano for the first very first time, but uh, that's the racing crowd, so that's great. but the concourse coming up this is something that should be great in Atlanta. We have such a large diverse automotive culture here that having an opportunity to pull it all together that we really think the concourse is going to be a great hit so we're going to have about 10 of our cars over on display there we're going to be one of the featured marks uh we're just really excited about uh, about the opportunity to kind of bring all of this together in one event
0: right exactly and i saw pictures of the debut of of the new car at the race last weekend and uh what were some of the reactions that you got from people
1: Everything was just so overwhelmingly positive which is kind of funny because most of the reactions that you get are always uh internet related and on the internet everything is as a general rule always negative even the cure for cancer would be taken as negative <laughs> yeah. so seeing so much positive feedback has been kind of kind of overwhelming and uh, I really think this will be the right crowd for us as well at the concourse so
0: Oh yeah well it's well deserved uh, you and your team did an awesome awesome job so very nice now here's a very introspective question for you, John. If you were a car, what kind of car would John be and why 66 Ford GT40 ah uh, he just he knew exactly what he was so <laughs> tell me why John's a GT40 well dad my
1: father's English so got the Anglo-American connection ah. and of course the uh, car is an underdog that's uh, surprised everyone and I like to think that's kind of who we are what we do here, and hopefully what uh, who I am and what I do here.
0: Very nice choice. I like that. What's the color scheme? You know, it's it's funny. I still love the powder blue
1: and orange golf color course. scheme. It's yeah. such a those colors work on no level except on that car. And they work perfectly.
0: Yeah, people have tried it on other cars and it doesn't quite really come off. It's yeah, it, that's where it belongs is on that car. Yes. So yeah. And uh yes. were you at Pebble Beach, the Concours, this past summer?
1: I was not. Oh no. gosh. Well I'm They don't s- let me out. They don't know.
0: <laughs> well, I'm gonna send you a picture I took. I was on the lawn uh Saturday night before the Concours, and they had all the G T forties lined up there. Mm. And uh got to take a bunch of pictures with some other people. It was absolutely spectacular. So and, and they had they had your car there, too. They had the golf okay. car there. So, yeah, we'll see if we can work on that for you. <laughs> so, John, up next is the last lap. Before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. Hey, Cars Yeah! listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers, and they're crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front-end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com, and you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at CARSYEAH, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at carsyeah.com. Okay, John, we're back and we're entering the last lap and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So, you ready? Sure. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received Kiss. keep it simple stupid <laughs> i love that i love that yeah it always is the right way to go that's for sure would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years uh honestly listening mm.
1: you can't know it all the uh, there are so many brilliant people in this industry they tend to be very focused on their specific areas so i kind of think of myself almost as uh Uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. Take advantage of the people that are masters of those individual areas.
0: Yeah, you know, I love uh, the late Stephen Covey and his seven habits of highly effective people. I think it's habit number five. First, listen to understand, then speak to be understood. Absolutely. Uh, Serves you well every single time. So being a great listener is so important. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners you think they would enjoy?
1: Uh, honestly, the biggest thing from anybody that does anything technical, I still think formula SAE students are just the, I mean, that is kind of, it's an unofficial prerequisite for an engineering job in uh, our business. And I think in the industry at large, it's just such a great program. It's a great opportunity to give engineers hands-on experience and it's kind of a microcosm of our business so I, I always look to the formula sae stuff and support the formula sae programs as well so that the kids coming up have the opportunities
0: and they have a website correct
1: yeah i'm sure it's a part of the uh, society of automotive engineers yeah. at the very least but okay
0: cool now how about a book is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy as well
1: yeah sadly i don't do a lot of recreational reading but, well with uh, your the- schedule
0: i don't know when you would <laughs>
1: but it was always the carol smith books the prepare to win tune to win and engineer to win were kind of yeah. the uh that was our bread and
0: butter oh yeah those are great they've been recommended by uh lots of engineers and racers here on the show so a uh, great series of books for sure well i'll remind our listeners you can find all these great resources that john's been so kind to share at com slash john leverett and his last name is spelled l-e-v-e-r-e-t-t and there's another great place on the Karja website called guest recommended books where these books and all the past 612 guest books are listed for quick easy clicks to buy all right john we're up to the checkered flag and this last question can be a real doozy if you could have only one collector car in your garage but money is no object today i'm going to buy you whatever car you'd like what would that vehicle be and more importantly why
1: Lancia Stratos.
0: Oh oh, nice yeah now obviously probably a rally car huh?
1: Yep it's it's unlike anything else that whole almost square wheelbase to track ratio uh Italian style light fast beautiful and very few people actually know what it is you know even the GT40 which I love well people know what they are everybody's got the posters but the Stratos is just so unique.
0: Yeah I've got to introduce you to John Campion, he's a past guest here on the show. He's got a large collection of vintage rally cars, and he's got a couple of those and some of the italia liveried cars. Gotcha. They were so beautiful, so I've got to connect you two. Maybe you can get together, and he'll let you drive some of his cars. He's actually going to start vintage rally racing his cars. so... Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, very cool. Nice choice. First one for a Lancia Strato. so that's pretty cool here too, here, Carja. <laughs> John, you've taken me on an awesome ride today and I've really enjoyed your stories, so and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Carja listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you rip off down that uh, logging road in that Lancia
1: <laughs> Basically you've if you gotta have a job or at the very least a hobby that you're passionate about and that you love doing.
0: So important. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and Panos?
1: www.panos.com.
0: Pretty simple, pretty easy. I encourage people to visit that website. There's a lot of cool stuff there. The things they're doing at Panos are absolutely spectacular. If you have a chance to go back, you haven't listened to uh, Don Panos' show here in Carjay, yeah, you can do that as well on the website. Listeners, you can find links to everything John has shared again at his show notes page at Carjay.com. Just type John in that search bar and that page will pop up. And if you're anywhere near Atlanta, this weekend, you got to check out the Atlanta Concorde Elegance at Chateau Elon Winery and Resort. Check out the display Pano's going to have. You said you can have nine cars there?
1: Uh, nine or ten cars there. And then we've also got our showroom and museum with all the historically significant Pano's cars here that's open normal business hours. Most of the days of the year.
0: Awesome. Great. Make sure you get down to Panos and check that out, too. They're very close to each other. Don't forget, if you can't make it, go to www.atlantaconcord.org follow on social media, and I'm sure there'll be lots of cool pictures posted out there. John, thanks again for being so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. It was a real pleasure. You're welcome.